The Alchemical Tech Revolution is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm. Hi folks, this is Wayne McCroy, host of the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast. I'm here to tell you tonight about Anchor. Anchor is one of the best podcast distribution apps out there. Uh, They offer various ways to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, and they have some of the best built-in uploading, recording, and editing tools available in the industry. From start to finish, they can help you to set up your podcast. So if you are interested in starting a podcast, check out anchor.fm. Or if you are already a podcaster and you're looking for distribution solutions for your podcast, check out anchor.fm. Come with me.
You're listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Good evening, everybody. The monkey business at hand must be discussed, right? Uh, we've all heard at this point about monkeypox, haven't we? Uh, so I, I think it's a subject that uh, requires a little bit of a discussion here tonight. Uh, so I'm going to go through uh, this wonderful document that uh, actually was uh, produced in late 2021, but the uh, uh, scenario that was presented in the document was actually done back in March of 2021. And uh, what did this scenario entail? Well, it was a tabletop exercise simulating a monkeypox pandemic. Interesting, right? Good timing with all of this, as always. Uh, it, what a coincidence, huh? Uh, always these coincidences with these things. Uh, lo and behold, if you look back at the news cycle over the course of, oh, I don't know, about maybe the past five days, maybe, maybe a week, if you go back a week, uh, that's when we first started seeing things really showing up in the news cycle about monkeypox. Well, this caught my attention when uh, the other day I saw a news article came across where uh, the Biden administration had actually uh, designated $119 million, and you could count the ways with that all you'd like. Uh, they designated this money to buy monkeypox vaccines uh, from somewhere over in Europe in case this turns into a big thing. So what do they have in mind for us? You always have to wonder these things, and I had this discussion with my buddy Billy Ray Valentine uh, just yesterday on uh, America Unplugged uh, and uh, the great Toady Atterburn and Don Jeffries. Uh, so we were having this discussion, and uh, the, the point I brought up is the rules of engagement have changed. Now, it used to be if you were in alt-media, alternative media, uh, personage or somebody who's a you know a truth movement person or a conspiracy uh, analyst or any of these type things however you want to view whatever it is that we do here the, the the rules of engagement used to be well pretty much if the media told you something uh, you know invert that completely 180 degrees and that's probably the truth that's not the case anymore so they've been a lot more overt with many of the things they're doing these days. So this monkeypox thing, it might be a red herring, but maybe not. So we need to really analyze this. And I'm hoping that uh, because so many people picked up on this so early this time, and it's been so mainstream, that um, maybe this thing will just be a red herring, as many of these other things have been in the past. I'm hoping. So because this is not something we want to have to cope with again, coming off of all the nonsense that they've pushed. But uh, maybe they're going for it. Maybe this is their next phase. Who knows? So we're going to look at this uh, tonight. I'm going to go through this document, this uh, training scenario document, uh, and the title of it is Strengthening Global Systems to Prevent and Respond to High-Consequence Biological Threats, Results from the 2021 Tabletop Exercise Conducted in Partnership with the Munich Security Conference, and this was conducted by a uh, an organization called NTI-BIO. Uh, so that's Nuclear Threat Initiative Bio Division, and this is a subdivision of a, uh, a group called Open Philanthropy, uh, which was founded, not coincidentally, by one of the co-founders of Facebook. Uh, so just to give you an indication, and they do uh, these type of uh, think tank studies on things for various governments and policymakers of the world. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, in 2021, March of 2021, they were talking about a monkeypox pandemic. 
So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a concerning thing. We need to take this seriously because uh, this harkens back to the whole Event 201 scenario uh, that took place in October of 2019. And then lo and behold, exactly 44 days later, we had uh, the outbreak of what they are now calling the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, whatever you may think of that, just look at the effects that it's had upon the world around us. Uh, so that's the whole point here. My concern is maybe not so much for the uh, alleged pathogen itself, but more about what's the response going to be. And I think we're going to go through this and we'll see what the response is. And then at the end here, after we go through this document and just lay down the nuts and bolts of what they were saying here, I'm going to take a step back and analyze it from the esoteric perspective. Uh, because I haven't heard anybody do that yet, and I think it needs to be looked at. Because lo and behold, whenever you find something like this in the news cycle, you could go back and you could find some type of an allegorical uh, archetype, uh, usually related to Greek myth, uh, about such a thing. So uh, I went back and I looked and I researched, and lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, uh, there's some stories about monkeys in Greek myth. And most notably... In Ovid's Metamorphosis. What a coincidence, huh? How shocking. What a shocking revelation. Uh, so, that being the case, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at that and try and take that apart a little later here. But I want to try and get through the document and at least lay down the scenario for what it says and uh, relate it to some of the news stories we've seen here. <coughs> Excuse me. So, as of uh, last I heard, I think they were claiming that now it's in 11 or 12 countries or something like that that don't normally have this as a thing, and there's like over 130 cases now. So that's that's what they're saying as of right now, as far as I know. And uh, they're, they're talking about uh, different applications of things here with it, so... But uh, let's let's look at this scenario document because I've seen some of the news stories and like I said they they designated monies to pay for vaccines and stuff like that. So here we go again with a lot of this crap, right? I'm so tired of talking about medical things, but uh, honest to goodness, this is the way they keep doing it because they they want this medical based tyranny, folks. That's the bottom line. They need your biometric ID. They want you tied into the system biometrically, right? That's what this is about. It's not about your health. Never has been, never will be. They couldn't give two craps about your health. If they did, they wouldn't be spraying us with the crap they're spraying us with in the skies. They wouldn't be loading our food with all of this garbage that they load their our food with, etc., etc. It, it just doesn't add up. Uh, it's about control, and that's the bottom line. Anyway, let's get into the document here. Let's uh, scroll down here. Um... The authors, this is the acknowledgments, the authors gratefully acknowledge the support of those who were instrumental in the development and execution of this senior-level tabletop exercise. First, we would like to thank the, our partners at the Munich Security Conference, who jointly hosted this exercise with NTI, that's Nuclear Threat Initiative. We are also grateful to the exercise participants whose valuable insights, expertise, and engagement were crucial to the success of this project. We also thank Talus Analytics for developing the epidemiological model underpinning this exercise. Our expert advisors, hold on, where are we at here? Our expert advisors who informed the design of the exercise scenario early in the process and a long story short for producing the exercise videos. 
at the Nuclear Threat Initiative, we would like to thank the members of our project team who were instrumental to the success of this project, Dr. Andrew Hebler, who is now serving in government at the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. Going to pause there. Gee, what a coinkydink, huh? Go figure that, uh, you know, they have somebody sitting directly in the White House who was directly involved with this scenario planning, right? Interesting. So it says, jointly led to the development and planning of this exercise with Dr. Jaime M. Yasov, Dr. Kevin P. O. Prey, facilitated this scenario-based exercise in addition to advising on exercise planning and jointly authoring this report. Christopher R. Isaac provided valuable research assistance for this project, and Amanda Kogan was instrumental in organizing the exercise event. From NTI's communications team, Rachel Staley Grant led the development of video production for the exercise and along with Mimi Hall provided valuable comments on this manuscript and led the report publication process. We are grateful to Open Philanthropy for their support for this project as part of their ongoing support of our work to reduce global catastrophic biological risks. And it's signed Jaime M. Yasef, Kevin P. O'Prey, and Christopher R. Isaacs, all of NTI. Well, not all of NTI. Kevin P. O'Prey is the managing partner of the Palisades Group, LLC. Uh, so, anyway, let's move on forward. Over the past two years, the world has faced the devastating impact that a biological event can have on human health, economies, and political stability. As of this writing, the SARS-CoV-2 virus has infected more than 250 million people, killed more than 5 million, and caused trillions of dollars in economic losses. COVID-19 has revealed that national governments and the international community are woefully unprepared to respond to pandemics, underscoring our shared vulnerability to future catastrophic biological threats that could meet or exceed the severe consequences of the current pandemic. Gonna pause there. What are they trying to gear up for here, folks? <laughs> are you listening to the language? They choose the language in these things very carefully. Let's read on. <coughs> Although national and global leaders are appropriately focused on the immediate demands of the COVID-19 response, the international community cannot postpone implementing the steps necessary to protect against future biological threats. This must include the recognition that while naturally emerging pandemics continue to pose a significant threat, the next global catastrophe could be caused by the deliberate misuse of the tools of modern biology or by a laboratory accident. And I'm going to pause there, folks. Is that a veiled admission as to what quote-unquote COVID is? Maybe. Or are they talking about, you know, an actual... Uh, future hard rollout of this same thing because COVID, in my view, this was a soft rollout of that type of an idea, and we've all heard the stories. Oh, it was a lab leak. Oh, it was this. It was that. All right. And honestly, we don't know what to believe about it, right? At this point, we've heard everything in the book, everything from snake venom on up. So, I mean, come on. Uh, but at any rate, now they're saying out there in the open, well, you know, the next one could probably be a bioweapon. What are they gearing us up for, folks? I think they're uh, playing the whole Overton window idea here, aren't they? 
uh, the, the slow shift towards these things. But uh, let, let's read on. Fundamentally strengthening the preparedness of every nation to meet these challenges is a humanitarian imperative in the collective self-interest of the international community. Even the most prepared nations will remain vulnerable as long as significant biosecurity and pandemic preparedness gaps remain in countries around the world. We are only as safe as our weakest link. The world has witnessed how global travel, trade, urbanization, and environmental degradation can fuel the emergence and spread of infectious disease threats. However, the serious risks embedded in the very bioscience research and technology advances that offer vital opportunities to counter these risks remain less understood. Bioscience and biotechnology advances, while offering tremendous potential benefits, also present opportunities for accidental release or deliberate abuse of biological agents that could cause as much or more harm than COVID-19. Gonna pause there, folks. There, that time they mentioned it in the same sentence with COVID-19, didn't they? What are they telling us? Hmm? Do you think any of this stuff's contrived or planned? Uh, I think uh, that we've demonstrated in spades uh, exactly how much pre-planning went into the whole COVID thing, right? Uh, I mean, all you have to do is pick up my, my latest book, The Demic of Pan, Breaking the Natural Order, and you'll see I have it laid out exactly uh, the groundwork that they laid and, you know, uh, what kind of preparatory steps they took for this thing and how they, they had the whole situation and scenario planned out from the get-go. Uh, so, and, and we can see where the next phases are going now. But anyway, <coughs> not to belabor that point, because now we're moving on to monkeypox, right? It's the new game in town. The monkeypox. Ready? Let's read on. Scientific and political leaders must take bold action to safeguard the bl global bioscience and biotechnology research and development enterprise to ensure that catastrophic accidents or deliberate misuse do not lead to the next global pandemic. To strengthen international capabilities to respond to the next pandemic, national and global leaders must build stronger public health and medical response capabilities that can scale to address very high-consequence biological events, potentially orders of magnitude more severe than what we have experienced during the past two years. We cannot afford to be reactive. We must build our public health and medical systems to be anticipatory, responding energetically and proactively in the face of uncertainty, taking what humanitarian and crisis response communities describes as a quote-unquote no-regrets approach, end quote. NTI recognizes the critical importance of strengthening the global biosecurity and pandemic preparedness architecture. To that end, NTI is focused on catalyzing the development of stronger international biosecurity and pandemic preparedness capabilities so the world is better able to prevent and respond to future biological risks. To address important gaps in key areas, NTI is working with international partners. Number one, first, to establish a new global biosecurity entity dedicated to reducing emergent, emerging biological risks that can accompany certain techno, technology advances. 
Its mission will be to reduce the risks of catastrophic consequences due to accidents, inadvertent misuse, or deliberate abuse of bioscience and biotechnology by promoting stronger global biosecurity norms and developing tools and incentives to uphold them. And I'm going to pause there and I'll translate some of that nonsense for you folks. So they want to establish a new global biosecurity entity, right? Uh, that will reduce the biological risks of new technologies. Uh, so that tells me here's what they're going to do. They want to establish an international oversight agency uh, for all of this stuff that will actually be the one that decides what, what bioweapons are we going to use here, right? Uh, so that, that's essentially what they're talking about. They're, they're trying to put an infrastructure in place so that uh, they could have one small group uh, have access to all the different bio labs all around the world right and uh, you know then they'll they'll have the plausible deniability aspect built into that because well they're overseeing it right they you know they they they're it's an oversight committee they're there to make sure nothing bad happens right so <laughs> uh, and and this this runs counter to uh common sense because common sense and logic would tell you uh don't have a bioweapons lab in the first place, right? <laughs> Don't go screwing with this stuff on purpose in the first place. Um, and, and you won't have that type of a problem. But lo and behold, uh, these people are going to do what they're going to do, right? But let's read on. Their number two objective here is to explore the possibility of establishing a new joint assessment mechanism to investigate high-consequence biological events of unknown origin. This new mechanism would operate at the seam between existing mechanisms, including the World Health Organization outbreak investigation capabilities and the United Nations Security General's mechanism for investigating alleged deliberate bioweapons use, thereby strengthening UN system capabilities to investigate pandemic origins. Okay, let me pause on that one. So essentially they want to combine the World Health or Organization's uh, investigation unit with the, uh, the United Nations uh, Secretary General's uh, investigative arm uh, for bioweapons use, right? Uh, so this would give them kind of a uh, more, I would say, uh, the World Health Organization. This would give them more of a militarized type presence, in a sense, wouldn't it? If they're accompanying the UN with something like this, if this is a joint task force now, uh, not only discovering the origins of pandemics, but also studying uh, to try to figure out if it's a bioweapon. Uh, and th this creates a scenario where, once again, you have one shady organization overseeing uh, this in the name of, uh, you know, trying to claim that it's an oversight committee, right? We're here to make sure nothing bad happens. We're here to investigate this and make sure that, you know, this thing's not going on. But it also creates the perfect infrastructure for them to pull something off, doesn't it? Uh, and that's that's the bottom line with this. All these things they implement are called dual use, Right. Dual use. It's got a militaristic use and uh, what they would call a domestic use, which, uh, you know, they're, they're only telling us this is, you know, essentially uh, what our domestic use policy is. This is, It's for investigating, right? They're saying this stuff is just to investigate and try to be preventative. Well, uh, just like everything else, the, they weaponize all this stuff first. Uh, and, you know, the, the, even the existence of this type of a... An oversight committee could be weaponized. 
And I think that's that's largely the uh, uh, the message that's kind of hidden underneath all of this. When you get between uh, reading between the lines here and get to the nuts and bolts of it all. <clears throat> so number three, this is their third uh, their third goal here to advocate for establishing a catalytic multilateral financing mechanism for global health security and pandemic preparedness. The goal is to accelerate sustainable biosecurity and pandemic preparedness capacity building in countries where resources are most needed. And I'll pause there and I'll translate that gobbledygook for you. They want to fleece the American people for tax dollars for this. <laughs> That's what that says, basically, in a nutshell. Uh, so... <laughs> That being the case, uh, you know, we could know a little bit more about what's their, what's the motivation for a lot of this. Well, they, they want the U.S. taxpayer to pay for it all, right? Like everything else, everything else. Let's read on here. To further examine these issues, NTI has partnered with the Munich Security Conference over the past three years to host annual tabletop exercises focused on reducing high-consequence biological threats. NTI and MSC have jointly convened international leaders and experts to explore gaps in the global biosecurity and pandemic preparedness architecture and to identify opportunities to address urgent needs. This report shares the lessons of our 2021 exercise, and it's signed by Margaret A. Hamburg, M.D., Interim Vice President of Global Biological Policy and Programs, Nuclear Threat Initiative. So, <clears throat> where do we begin with all of this? Um, essentially, apparently this group uh, sets up all these different kinds of... Uh, scenario exercises training exercises for you know try and figure out where the gaps are in their systems uh to try to you know ostensibly make things better make responses better uh but when it comes down to it uh, these are the same people that are rolling out the policies right it's the planning committee right and we'll see as we actually get into this uh this exercise we'll see how you know some of these things cannot possibly be coincidental so let's read on here so uh next part here is the executive summary executive summary in march 2021 the Nuclear Threat Initiative partnered with the Munich Security Conference to conduct a tabletop exercise on reducing high-consequence biological threats. Conducted virtually, the exercise examined gaps to in national and international biosecurity and pandemic preparedness architectures and explored opportunities to improve capabilities to prevent and respond to high-consequence biological events. Participants included 19 senior leaders and experts from across Africa, the Americas, Asia, and Europe, with decades of combined experience in public health, biotechnology industry, international security, and philanthropy. Of course, philanthropy. You gotta get the Rockefellers in here, right? <laughs> Let's read on. The exercise scenario portrayed a deadly global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox virus that emerged in the fictional nation of Brinia, B-R-I-N-I-A, which uh, in my view is probably uh, a take on Britain, right? And spread globally over 18 months. Ultimately, 
The exercise scenario revealed that the initial outbreak was caused by a terrorist attack using a pathogen engineered in a laboratory with inadequate biosafety and biosecurity provisions and weak oversight. By the end of the exercise, the fictional pandemic resulted in more than 3 billion cases and 270 million fatalities worldwide. Let's pause there for a minute, folks. This one's pretty ambitious, isn't it? Uh, the, you know, the, the Event 201 scenario only killed 65 million people, right? And only infected like uh, 300 million or something like that, if I remember correctly. But um, <laughs> this is much bigger. This is 3 billion with a B people they, they, they want to have infected. Uh, which is strange considering, uh, you know, monkeypox is... Um, it's not as easily spreadable as something like uh, a respiratory virus generally. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> this one, I don't know. Uh, let's read on the rest of the scenario and see what else they have to say here. Uh, but you'll notice that they, they say that's you know, it's a terrorist attack using a pathogen from a lab, a leak. It was a lab leak, right? Uh, so that's what they're claiming. And uh, they said they tracked it. It was an 18-month-long pandemic. So, uh, you know, that'll translate to three years. But <laughs> anyway, let's, let's, let's move on here. So it says, discussion, exercise, sorry, discussion among exercise participants led to the following key findings. Number one, weak global detection, assessment, and warning of pandemic risks. The international community needs a more robust, transparent detection, evaluation, and early warning system that can rapidly communicate actionable information about pandemic risks. So there you go. It's got to be robust. Everything's robust and anti-fragile and all of that stuff. you got to throw your jargony buzzwords in all the time for all this, right? Uh, so let's, let's read on. Number two, gaps in national-level preparedness. National governments should improve preparedness by developing national-level pandemic response plans built upon a coherent system of triggers that prompt anticipatory action despite uncertainty and near-term costs. In other words, on a no-regrets basis. And that's the second time that they use no-regrets, right? A no-regrets basis. So what does this tell me? This tells me that they're going to absolutely overreact to the extreme, to any type of a scenario like this, and uh, that they'll use this as their their alibi, right? It's our no regrets response. Better safe than sorry, right? Uh, so lock yourself in your house, wear a mask, put on your rubber suit, um, you know, don't breathe. Uh, stay eight feet from everybody because, you know, six feet won't be nearly enough anymore. Uh, so... <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's ridiculousness on, on the face of it. That's what they're talking about. But uh, no regrets. Remember that. They're, they're using a no regrets methodology here. So that means they're going to go to extremes, folks. Probably uh, right down to forced vaccination and forced medication and everything else along with it. Because, well, we got to play it safe, right? So that, that's pretty much what it's telling me that that's going to be the next big push here. Uh, so look for that. If this actually turns into a thing, look for the buzzwords in media. They'll talk about a no regrets solution or some similar language to that. No regrets, right? It's, it's right here in the paper. It's probably the exact verbatim terminology they will use uh, to discuss this. No regrets. 
So, uh, and that's the excuse they'll use for force medicating people, locking people down again, the, the whole nine yards. So if that happens, remember those words, the no regrets. Look for it in the media. I have no doubt that they'll probably use that if this actually turns into something. Like I said, might be a red herring. I'm hoping so. But uh, you never know with these people. Like I said, the rules of engagement have changed. So you never can tell. Okay, next point, number three, gaps in biological research governance. The international system, sorry, lost my place here. E-readers, gotta love them. Gaps in biological research governance. The international system for governing dual-use biological research is neither prepared to meet today's security requirements, nor is it ready for significantly expanded challenges in the future. There are risk reduction needs throughout the bioscience research and development life cycle. Okay, so let's pause there. So that one means they want to put their own people in charge of all this. They want some type of an international committee, uh, you know, related to the World Health Organization or some such thing, and or the United Nations, probably both, uh, to be, you know, oversight, to offer oversight into uh, some of these uh, biological agent labs, right, or research facilities. So got to have all that red tape. Got to have the, all that uh, oversight. You have to have this, uh, the, well, let's put it this way. Uh, some of these elitist scumbags, they want, they want a job for their stupid cousin, right? So, you know, my dumb cousin Charlie needs a job. So here, we'll make him in charge of this. <laughs> this is how things work, right? So, you know, that, 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 that's the whole point here. But let's read on. Number four, insufficient financing of international preparedness for pandemics. Many countries around the world lack financing to make essential national investments in pandemic preparedness. All right, I'm going to translate that one again very simply like I did earlier. They want the U.S. taxpayer to foot the bill. <laughs> How's that sound? It sound pretty accurate? I think it does because isn't that, in fact, what happens all the time? Okay, let's move on. To address these findings, the authors developed the following recommendations. Number one, bolster international systems for pandemic risk assessment, warning, and investigating outbreak origins. The World Health Organization should establish a graded, transparent international public health alert system. I'm going to pause there for a second. They like to use the word transparent, but uh, they, they mean just the opposite of that, Right. They always they, they, they always make this call for transparent governance for stuff. But it's anything but transparent, isn't it? it, it you get to run around with any of this stuff. You don't know who's doing what. They don't know who's doing what. It's, it's anything but transparent. Uh, that's just one of their ha happy buzzwords that they like to use that they don't really mean. In fact, they mean the opposite of it. Uh, you could imply the opposite of it. But uh, anyway... I think a an international public health service is not necessarily in the best interest of people in general, or a, a public health alert system, we should say. <clears throat> Next, it says the United Nations system should establish a new mechanism for investigating high-consequence biological events of unknown origin, which we refer to as a joint assessment mechanism. More about the joint assessment mechanism is found on page 22, which we're not going to go that far tonight, folks. But basically what they want to do is they want to combine the World Health Organization together with the United Nations to make a more militarized type of investigative unit to uh, 
do this stuff. Uh, and in my view, I think this would imply intelligence community ties and possible shady stuff that goes along with it. Uh, it's a very robust plan, isn't it? <laughs> As we can see. <clears throat> Next, to develop and institute national-level triggers for early proactive pandemic response. National governments must adopt a no-regrets approach to the pandemic response. Going to pause there. There it is again. No-regrets approach. Remember that. Those are going to be big buzzwords here in the upcoming years, I'm sure. Uh, you will hear them say those words verbatim. I could almost guarantee it, right? No regrets approach. Uh, that's what all the medical experts will come out and say. We need to have a no regrets approach to this. Uh, they'll use that as their excuse for locking things down. You watch and see. Uh, you know, I, I hope and pray this is a red herring and this is all wrong and none of this comes to fruition. But, uh, you know, here it is in black and white. In their own words, you know how these documents work. Uh, we've done, I don't even know how many of these now. Uh, and, and people could see the writing on the wall with this stuff, right? But let's read on. It says, National governments must adopt a no-regrets approach to pandemic response, taking anticipatory action as opposed to reacting to mounting case counts and fatalities, which are lagging indicators. So this is justification for, you know, force medicating, force vaccinating, and locking down people ahead of time, right? That's exactly what that's a call for, folks. Next, to facilitate anticipatory action on a no-regrets basis. There it is again. No regrets. No regrets approach, no regrets basis. To facilitate anticipatory action on a no-regrets basis, national governments should develop national-level plans that define and incorporate triggers for responding to high-consequence biological events. And then it says more about triggers is found on page 17. I don't think we'll make it that far either, but uh, uh, essentially they're looking for the excuse. Uh, this would be, what, maybe a reported case of monkeypox in your community? Well, let's lock everybody down and close all the businesses for two weeks, right? Let's make sure everybody's wearing a mask when they're outside uh, or a yellow hazmat suit, right? Uh, let's go over the top. Let's force medicate everybody. Let's give everybody vaccinated uh, for it and, you know, and lock them up and mask them and limit their movement, restrict their movement. This is kind of what it's calling for in a sense. I mean, if you know how to read between the lines and, and look at exactly what it is they're saying, that's that's exactly what they're doing. They're going to use this no regrets idea as justification for that. Let's read on here. Next, establish an international entity dedicated to reducing emerging biological risks associated with rapid technology advances. The international community should establish an entity dedicated to reducing the risk of catastrophic events due to accidents or deliberate abuse of bioscience and biotechnology. To meaningfully reduce risk, the entity should support interventions throughout the bioscience and biotechnology research and development life cycle from funding through execution and on to publication or commercialization. Let me pause there and translate what this is about. Uh, basically, they want to create an independent international committee outside of uh, national borders, outside of national sovereignty, that will establish interventions for a pandemic situation. Uh, so this is giving up sovereign rights of, of people 
over to this international board that will decide uh, how to use the latest technologies and drug uh, enhancements in order to treat people with this and, uh, you know, figure out what best ways to uh, uh, actually hand this stuff out or, or, you know, implement this stuff. So this is creating an above-government agency to decide uh, on what to force medicate you with, right? Or what you're going to have to do to respond to this. And I'm sure, especially if they tie it along in with the United Nations, there will be a type of militarized enforcement of this thing. This is all the plan all along, folks. I mean, like, you know, this has been the plan all along. It's, It's a medical tyranny. It's, it's a medical tyranny. That's the system they want, right? And this is all just precursory ideas leading into the medical tyranny. And they try to sugarcoat it and make it sound all uh, like a wonderful, great idea. And it's also necessary. Uh, we need this robust infrastructure. We need it. It's robust. No regrets, you know. Let's, let's read on. Next, develop a catalytic... Global Health Security Fund to Accelerate Pandemic Preparedness Capacity Building in Countries Around the World. I don't even want to read the sub-points to this. Basically, they want the U.S. tax dollar to to pay for all this, right? That That's essentially what it is. Uh, I'll, hu- I'll humor them here, and I'll read uh, the, the sub-points underneath this. National leaders, development banks, philanthropic donors, and the private sector should establish and resource a new financing mechanism to bolster global health security and pandemic preparedness. Yeah, it's called the U.S. taxpayer, right? <laughs> That's exactly the new financing mechanism that I want. Next point here, it says, uh, this next sub-point under there, the design and operations of the fund should be catalytic, incentivizing national governments to invest in their own preparedness over the long term. There it is. (laughs) The U.S. taxpayer will pay for it all. (sighs) Next. Okay, number five. Here's their fifth point here. Okay. Establish a robust international process to tackle the challenge of supply chain resilience. The UN Secretary General should convene a high-level panel to develop recommendations for critical measures to bolster global supply chain resilience for medical and public health supplies. So, here we go again with this nonsense. You don't want to run out of PPE, right? Personal personal protective equipment. You remember uh, all these new acronyms and abbreviations and stuff that came out in the beginning of the COVID nonsense? PPE. Yes, you need to have a robust supply of PPE on hand. You need to have masks and gloves in abundance and hand sanitizer and all of this ridiculous nonsense. Uh, this is what this is talking about. They don't want to run out of anything. Uh, they have to build more ventilators, right? <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you, I I am just so flabbergasted with all of this crap already. How people could actually buy into this, or how even these these scumbags could even think that people are going to think this is a good idea at this point. Seeing all the things we've seen happen the past two years. I I can't fathom that there are people out there that are will just go along with this now. After finally coming to grips after two years of this crap already... Many people are finally coming to grips with it's 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 contrived, or at the very least, it's 
not as much of a, a situation as what they made it and that we need to get on with our lives. We need to live our lives. People got tired of putting their lives on hold for this stupid thing, for fear of catching a cold, right? And now it's going to be the same thing, a fear of catching some other illness, right? That uh, it, it, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. And they, they want to try and normalize this idea of locking everybody in their houses, not living your life, disrupting supply chains, disrupt, disrupting economies, uh, like destroying people's livelihoods. That's what they've done here. And they've normalized this idea now. And they, they want to do this and double down on it because they need their great reset. See, they, they want to reset uh, the money system. They want it all digital and all tied to your biometric ID. That's what this is about. Medical tyranny, folks. All right, let's read on. It says, this report is organized into three parts. The first is a description of the exercise design and scenario. The second is a summary of the exercise discussions and related findings. And the third is a set of recommendations developed by the authors to address the identified gaps and requirements. NTI developed these recommendations after the event concluded. Participants were not involved in their development and have not been asked to endorse them. The apprentices, or sorry, the appendices, not the apprentices, <laughs> the appendices provide a list of the experts who supported the exercise development process in Appendix A, as well as technical details about the epidemiological model, Appendix B, used to inform this fictional monkeypox pandemic scenario. Next, about the exercise. Okay, here's where we get in the nitty-gritty and the nuts and bolts of it all, right? About the exercise. In March 2021, NTI conducted a table talk exercise on reducing high-consequence biological threats. The third in a series of annual collaborations between NTI and the Munich Security Conference, the exercise examined gaps in national and international biosecurity and pandemic preparedness architectures and explored opportunities to improve capabilities to prevent and respond to high-consequence biological events. The exercise included 19 senior leaders and experts from across Africa, the Americas, Asia, and Europe, with decades of combined experience in public health, biotechnology, industry, international security, and philanthropy, blah, blah, blah. We, that's a repeat of what they had earlier. So whoever's writing this paper wanted to put in more filler information. So here we go. <laughs> I, I, I give you props for that, for filling more space. Have to make it as wordy and robust as possible, don't we? Okay, the exercise scenario. Developed in consultation with technical and policy experts, the exercise scenario portrayed a deadly global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox virus that first emerges in the fictional country of Brynia and eventually spreads globally. Later in the exercise, the scenario reveals that the initial outbreak was caused by a terrorist attack using a pathogen engineered in a laboratory with inadequate biosafety and biosecurity provisions and weak oversight. The exercise concludes with more than 3 billion cases and 270 million fatalities globally. As part of the scenario development process, NTI conducted a virtual consultation with experts in December 2020. So it says see Appendix A for the list of the participating experts. 
The exercise was designed for participants to discuss requirements for international architectures related to science-based early assessment of emerging pandemic risks and timely international warning and alerts for potential pandemics, explore conditions that could trigger national pandemic response actions, and discuss strategies and challenges for scaling public health interventions, consider options to reduce biotechnology risks and strengthen oversight of dual-use bioscience research. I'm going to pause there. That's the first time they They've used dual use in this document, but that's an important concept, right? And this just confirms everything that I was just speculating earlier about how uh, uh, these oversight committees they want to put in place. Uh, it, it goes beyond just, uh, you know, overseeing and making sure nothing goes wrong in those places, right? When you're talking about something like this and they're, they're using the, the, the term dual use down here now, that should tell you something, folks. Explore opportunities to strengthen international financing mechanisms to bolster global health security preparedness. Uh, And that means just to whack the American taxpayer for more dollars. All right, so then next it gives a list of the participants here from the NTI Munich Security Conference tabletop exercise. Let me see if there's any interesting names in here that really jump out. Um, Oh, well, that's nice. I'll read you the uh, the people that were in on this, okay? Listen to some of these names and where they work, what their positions are. Because, you know, this should be you know, kind of concerning then. If, if they were talking about this back in March of 2021, and then lo and behold, here we are, just a little over a year later, and now monkeypox is a thing, right? Exercise co-chairs, Dr. Ernest J. Moniz, co-chair and CEO, Nuclear Threat Initiative, former U.S. Secretary of Energy. Nice, huh? Also, Ambassador Wolfgang Eichinger. I guess that's the way you pronounce that. Eichinger, chairman, Munich Security Conference. Participants, Mr. Arnaud Bernard. He's the head of Health Security Solutions. S-I-C-P-A, Dr. Beth Cameron, Senior Director, Office of Global Health Security and Biodefense, U.S. US National Security Council, Mr. Luke De Bruyne, Strategic Advisor to the CEO for the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness, Dr. Ruxandra Draghi-Akli, Global Head, Johnson & Johnson, Global Public Health, R&D, Janssen Research and Development. Uh, so this is one of the producers of one of the COVID vaccines right there. Uh, Dr. Chris Elias, President, Global Development Division of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Sir Jeremy Farrar, Director of the Wellcome Trust, also has lo- uh, a lot of heavy ties to the World Economic Forum. Dr. George Gao, Director General, Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the China CDC, Vice President of the National Natural Science Foundation of China, Director and Professor, CAS Key Laboratory of Pathogenic Microbiology and Immunology, Institute of Microbiology, Chinese Academy of Sciences, Dean Medical School, University of Chinese Academy of Sciences. So China has some big representation in here as well, huh? 
Next, Dr. Margaret Peggy A. Hamburg, the interim vice president of the Global Biological Policy and Programs of the Nuclear Threat Initiative, former commissioner of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Isn't that nice? Let's keep going. A couple more. This is an interesting group of people, folks. Ms. Angela Kane, visiting professor, Paris School of International Affairs, and Tushingua University. Dr. Emily LaProust, CEO and co-founder of Twist Biosciences. Dr. Elizabeth Lice, Deputy Director of the Governance and Conflict Division, the German Corporation for International Cooperation. Ms. Izumi Nakamitsu, Under, Undersecretary General and High Representative for Disarmament Affairs, United Nations Office for Disarmament Affairs. Dr. John Nick, how do you say that? Nikingasang, Director, Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Sam Nunn, Founder and Co-Chair, Nuclear Threat Initiative, former U.S. Senator. Dr. Michael Ryan, Executive Director, World Health Organization Health Emergencies Program. Dr. Joy St. John, Executive Director of CARPA, C-A-R-P-H-A. Dr. Petra Wickland, Head of Corporate Affairs, Merck, KGNA. So that's an interesting list of people involved in this scenario, folks, and the planning of it. Let's read on a little bit more here, and uh, we'll, we'll get through some of the specifics here, and then I'll wrap it up and we'll, we'll touch upon the uh, uh, archetypal uh, aspects of this and the esoteric uh, meanings behind some of that. But let's read on here. It says, The discussion was organized into three sequential moves corresponding with scenario developments, followed by a roundtable discussion of broader biosecurity and pandemic preparedness issues. The step-by-step -step approach to revealing scenario developments reflected the limitations of information available to real-world decision-makers, as well as the resulting uncertainty associated with a pandemic of unknown origin. So here's figure one. So move one, it says the scenario. Monkeypox outbreak in Brinia, 1,421 cases, four deaths. Uh, no in international warnings or advisories. And then it says key issues under move one here. International alert and warning systems, benefits of and need for early risk assessment. So basically uh, what they're saying here is the first step uh, in this scenario was a, a massive monkeypox outbreak in the fictional nation of Brinia, which I think is a direct correlation to Britain, right? And uh, they, they also mention another fictional country, country later they call Arnica or something like that, which I think is, you know, an allusion to uh, America. Uh, but we'll, we'll see as we get there. Um, but uh, so they say this, this first move of the pandemic, the first scenario, was this 1,421 cases and four deaths out of those. And they say that uh, here's the timeline they have for that. Uh, and remember that they say later on that they determined that it was a, uh, a terrorist attack 
that uh, launched this whole thing. So they have here under the date that the first move of the scenario happened is June 5th, 2022. And then they also have just prior to that on a little timeline they have there that they determine later in one of the later uh, sections here that it, it falls back to a biological attack. They say the attack occurred on May 15th, 2022. Gee, when did all this uh, really break out in the news cycle? Within the past week, right? What's today? Today's what? The 22nd? So, uh, you know, and re remember, this was March 2021 they did this. And they, they uh, you know, set this up so that uh, this initial uh, terrorist biological attack with monkeypox happened on May 15th, 2022. Hmm. What a coincidence, huh? Could you imagine? Right down almost to the day that's you know this thing hits the news cycle let's move on here so move number two it says here and the date on this is january 10th 2023 uh they say move to the scenario here is now it says 83 countries affected 70 million cases 1.3 million deaths monkeypox engineered to be vaccine resistant National responses, effects of early action, international supply chain challenges. And then it says under key issues for move to here, which they're dating at January 10th, 2023. The key issues are benefits of predetermined triggers for national response, international supply chain challenges. So uh, they're predicting here that uh, by January 10th of 2023, uh, that the monkeypox uh, will have spread to 83 countries, 70 million cases, 1.3 million deaths, right? Uh, and they're saying that uh, for some reason or another, this particular strain of monkeypox turns out to be vaccine-resistant, right? Well, that's an interesting turn of events too, isn't it? Uh, but do you think that would stop them from maybe trying to force vaccinate people? I don't think so. It would probably give them all the more reason to because, you know... Uh, let, let's be honest here. The vaccines aren't <laughs> what they're cracked up to be uh, or not how they present them, uh, you know. Let's move on. The next step down the scenario, it goes to May 10th, 2023. Move three, the scenario here. 480 million cases, 27 million deaths. So I'm going to pause for a second there. So between January 10th and May 10th of 2023, so in a four-month span, this thing's going to jump to way up uh, from what they they saw in the scenario here way up from uh, 70 million cases to 480 million cases in the course of four months and then up to 27 million deaths from 1.3 million deaths um, you gotta wonder where they come up with these numbers and these uh, scenarios here uh, but let's read on so move three the scenario, like I said, 480 million cases, 27 million deaths. And it also says, under the scenario for Move 3, Revelation of terror group origins, infiltration of civilian biolab. So then it says under the key issues tab here, Biosecurity and governance of dual-use bioscience research. Then the next phase here they go to is the roundtable discussion. December 1st, 2023, roundtable scenario. 3.2 billion cases, 271 million deaths. 
global differences in national responses contribute to significantly variable outcomes. Key issues. International financing for pandemic preparedness. Measures to strengthen national pandemic preparedness capacity. Uh, So they're talking about funding, right? Like always. Uh, Let's read. Here's some more specifics about these move sequences they give. They give you, remember, they, they break it down to move one, move two, move three, and then the roundtable discussion. So move one, it says, occurring on June 5th, 2022, in the scenario timeline, starts with an unusual outbreak of monkeypox in Brinia, population 250 million, with reports of 1,421 cases and four fortalities. There is no immediate evidence of international spread, but the outbreak takes place during a national holiday with extensive domestic and international travel by Brinians. Because monkeypox is not naturally found in Brinia, local and international experts consider this outbreak to be unusual. The Brinian government welcomes international outbreaks investigations and requests medical support from the WHO. Genome sequencing of monkeypox patient samples reveals that the strain in Brinia contains mutations that make it resistant to existing vaccines. The discussion that followed considered how the international system is postured to analyze initial indicators of pandemic risk and to communicate appropriate warnings. So here it's interesting. It says that this Brinia has a population of 250 million. Uh, so that's much larger than the UK. But still, I think, uh, you know, maybe switch around some numbers with some names. And you might get a further, you know, kind of a more of a guide as to maybe what countries they had in mind uh, relating to this. But uh, anyway, let's let's read on here. So you see here, that's the first phase here. Move to January 10th, 2023 occurs six months later, at which point the virus has spread to 83 countries with 70 million reported cases, causing more than 1.3 million fatalities. With no known effective therapies or vaccines, countries have had to rely principally... Hold on, lost my place here. Principally... on non-pharmaceutical interventions, or NPIs as they call them here, to mitigate the impacts of the pandemic, highlighting significantly different national outcomes in managing the pandemic. Southern governments, including the fictional Republic of Dranma, promptly adopted aggressive measures to slow virus transmission by shutting down mass gatherings, imposing social distancing measures, and implementing mask mandates. Gonna pause there. There it is, folks. There it is. These countries have also established large-scale testing and contact tracing operations and scaled up their healthcare systems to support anticipated growing case numbers. By contrast, the scenario depicts another group of countries, including fictional CARDUS, that have prioritized keeping their economies open, undertaking little to no NPIs, and downplaying the virus and its potential impacts. These countries have experienced much worse outcomes in terms of illness and mortality than those that responded early and energetically. So, (laughs) gonna pause there, folks. Here they are playing the same stupid games all the time, right? Same stupid games here. Uh, they're, they're calling for uh, 
lockdowns again, essentially. Lockdowns, social distancing, mandatory mask wearing, all the same stupid nonsense once again. And they're trying to claim here, okay, the country that did that had much better outcomes than the country that tried to keep their economies open. So they're talking about business shutdowns and stuff again, folks. It's really, really ridiculous. Let's move on here. Uh, get past the stupid little charts. Uh, so let me see where are we at. Where did I leave off? Okay. Uh, participant discussion in move two focused on exploring the conditions that should trigger national pandemic response actions and discussing strategies and challenges for scaling public health interventions. They have a couple charts here. Move three occurred 12 months after the initial outbreak with more than 480 million cases and 27 million fatalities globally. At this stage, participants learn that the pandemic was caused by a regional bioterror attack that far exceeded the perpetrator's goals. Specifically, Brinian Intelligence reveals that the engineered monkeypox virus was developed illicitly at the fictional country of Arnica's leading institute for virology. Arnica, population 75 million, has a history of conflict with neighboring Brinia. See map in figure 5. Oh, it's nice they have a little map here. And, uh, you know, this looks like areas right around the re Ukraine, honestly. <laughs> to be honest here, if you look at it on a map and look at some of the territories there, how it, how it looks like, uh, how they have the borders and stuff drawn, um, <laughs> that's an interesting connection, too. Uh, anyway, let's, let's read on, though. Uh, so, what, where were we? Arnica, population 75 million, has a history of conflict with neighboring Brinia. An independent Arnican terrorist group, the SPA, had worked with sympathetic laboratory scientists to engineer a highly contagious, deadly pathogen and disperse it at crowded train stations in Brinia during the national holiday, when much of the population was traveling domestically and internationally. The SPA had exploited the Arnican government's weak oversight of its bioscience research laboratories. SPA sympathizers working in Arnica's leading virology institute used publicly available scientific publications to guide their work to modify the monkeypox virus to make it more transmissible and resistant to currently available vaccines. The discussion in Move 3 focused on governance of dual-use bioscience research as well as current weaknesses in biosafety and biosecurity systems that exacerbate biological risks. The final phase of the exercise was a roundtable discussion that considered disparities in public health preparedness around the globe and the resulting need for more effective financing mechanisms to accelerate pandemic preparedness capacity building. Recognizing that pandemic preparedness requires costly investments that lower and lower middle class or lower and lower middle income countries cannot afford to make, participants were asked to discuss strategies to catalyze these investments in sustainable ways. There's the word sustainable, folks. Anyway, so I think we get the idea with this, right? Uh, so essentially, they're they're keying up the possibility of some type of a lab leak or a bio attack, a, a weaponized version of something uh, like a monkeypox here that uh, evades vaccines and and such, and evades uh, any type of medical treatment. Uh, so the only way to prevent the spread of this is to lock yourself in the house and further destroy the economy. You see how this is uh, this turns into uh, 
once again, the, the doubling down of all the things that they've done that haven't worked uh, for this prior pandemic now, right? You see how it's, it's, it's the same old story. Nothing new under the sun, right? It's the same thing over and over again. But uh, this time it's it's monkeypox instead of the COVIDs, right? So anyway, but uh, I think we'll just drop that paper right there. And uh, we'll take a look at the more esoteric side of this. Uh, so we see what it is they have in mind. It's They're talking about weaponized monkeypox that... Uh, is specially bioengineered. It shows up in countries that it normally doesn't appear in, and they later find out it's a terrorist attack, and they have to utilize these various uh, responses beforehand, right? These these very uh, hardcore responses up front. That's what they're trying to justify here uh, for pandemic response. What do they call it? The no regrets approach? Remember those words, folks. I'm sure it'll be turning up in the news cycle sometime soon. A no regrets approach to this. Uh, whereas they'll try to justify lockdowns and business closures and everything else again. Forced masking. Uh, probably forced medication. You you name it. The whole nine yards. I'm sure that's what they have in mind. Um, but uh, at any rate, that's... Uh, the the whole crux of that document that uh, that planning document uh, so to say they call it a training document but let's face it it's a planning document isn't it uh, so like I said I'm hoping this whole thing's a red herring right I think I hope it's a red herring and nothing comes of it and I'm hoping that's the case because too many people seem to have picked up on it already uh, so that being the case maybe it's getting more attention than what they thought. But, uh, uh, you know, you live, you learn. The rules of engagement have changed, and we need to be mindful of it. We have to keep that in the back of our mind. Maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's not. I'm really honestly hoping and praying it's a red herring and there's nothing to it. But uh, it's out there. You, you could find this document. You could find all these news stories. Uh, but uh, right now I wanted to touch on a little bit of the esoteric side of this. Because make no doubt about it, there's an archetype at play here. And this is intended to have a real effect on the human mind. A very subtle effect. Uh, that, that's how these things work. That's why they uh, leverage mythologies and these different ideas against us. Uh, so we're going to look here, back in the ancient Greek, at uh, what's called the Kirkopes. Okay. Kirkopes. The Kirkopes were a pair of monkey-like thieves which plagued the land of Lydia in western Anatolia. They were once captured by Heracles, who was so amused with their jokes that he set them free unharmed. The pair later ran afoul of the god Zeus, who transformed them into monkeys. Right? <laughs> or else turned them to stone as punishment for their crimes. The Kirkopes were the sons of the titan Oceanus by Thea, a daughter of the Ethiopian king Memnon. So it says here, Kirkopes, droll and thievish gnomes who play a part in the story of Heracles, their number is commonly stated to have been two, but their names are not the same in all accounts. Either Olus and Eurybatus, Silus and Tribulus, Pasilus and Aclamon, Andalus and Ant Atlantis, or Candalus and Atlas. Uh, 
and uh, this is from various different uh, sources here. One's Lucian, one's Diodorus, and it says, however, uh, Diodorus, however, speaks of a greater number of Kirkopes. They are called sons of Thea, the daughter of Oceanus. They annoyed and robbed Heracles in his sleep, but they were taken prisoners by him and either given to Amphale or killed or set free again. The place in which they seem to have made their first appearance was Thermopylae, but the comic poems Kirkopes, which bore the name of Homer, probably placed them at Oceania in Euboea, whereas others transferred them to Lydia, or the islands called Pythacusae, which derived their name from the Kirkopes, who were changed into monkeys by Zeus for having cunningly deceived him. So that's a, a, a brief synopsis here of Kirkopes. And that's spelled either C-E-R-C-O-P-E-S or K-E-R-K-O-P-E-S. I see both spellings here for it. So that's an interesting thing, and it was mentioned by Homer. So Homer had also brought these up. And not just Homer, but uh, Kirkopes. Uh, here's from Ovid's Metamorphosis 14. 14.89. Okay. So it says here... Pithecusae, an island off the coast of Italy, placed on a bare hill, was named from its denizens, i.e. the monkeys. For once the father of the gods, Zeus, who loathed the fraud and falsehood of the Kirkopes and all their crafty crimes, transformed the men into misshapen animals that seemed both like and unlike humans, shriveling their limbs, tilting and flattening their noses, ploughing their cheeks with wrinkles of old age, then swathed all over... In a tawny pelt, he sent them to dwell here, but first removed the means of speech and use of tongues designed for shocking perjury, and left them but screeches and screams for protest and complaint. And I think this one is the key archetype that we're hitting on with this. Of course, going back to Ovid, right? Ovid. So, uh, you know... We see here, so it's talking about uh, Zeus. He transformed them into beings that were both like and unlike humans. Well, what's being done to us right now, folks? This has transhumanist uh, notions uh, all interlaced with it, doesn't it? Uh, right down to, you know, the, the whole monkey pox idea, right? Monkey pox. So, uh, you know, uh, th this, this relies... Well, I shouldn't say relies, but relates heavily back to the whole RH factor idea of blood type once again, too, doesn't it? Uh, you see how all these same ideas kind of echo all over the place here uh, with some of this different stuff. Uh, but here we're talking about Kirkopes. Uh, Zeus transformed them into uh, animals that seemed both like and unlike humans shriveling their limbs, tilting and flattening their noses, ploughing their cheeks with wrinkled old age. Uh, he says, Then swathed all over in a tawny pelt, he sent them to dwell here, but first removed their means of speech and use of tongues designed for shocking perjury, and left them but screeches and screams for protest and complaint. Uh, so it's talking about removing our voices, right? Uh, why do you think there's so much censorship going on? Hmm? Yeah, so... Here we go again. So I think this is largely the archetype being 
played right now against us with the whole monkeypox idea. Uh, it draws once again heavily on Ovid metamorphosis. It's about transformation, folks. It's transforming the public uh, even further into something more animalistic in nature, making their voice unheard, right? Uh, so your complaints will go unheard. Uh, and, you know, misshapen animals. That's how the, these people view us, folks. We're just a bunch of misshapen animals in their view. And, you know, they they don't want to have to hear our voice, so to say. So, it seems to me that uh, this representation, as we see here, is, is the archetype at play. And uh, we, we could see... What's outlined in that planning document that they have, that exercise scenario, that alleged exercise scenario, uh, which, you know, in my view is more of a planning document. And we, we also see what's going on in the news cycle with this. And don't get me wrong, monkeypox is a real thing. I mean, it's it's a known commodity since about 1970. Uh, it's, it's supposedly less uh, deadly than smallpox, but of similar type of... Uh, um, lineage of smallpox i would say uh and you know we we have to maybe keep this in the back of our minds and and take it a little bit seriously but your chances of getting infected with it are much lower than something like a uh, nondescript respiratory disease because uh like i said this is a known commodity and in order to spread it first you have to have first of all the symptoms i mean you would have to have the obvious welts uh or you know uh, pox on your body in order to spread it and uh you know i i think it would be fairly obvious if you have it uh so it's it's much more avoidable than something like uh you know a nondescript respiratory illness right so it's it's illogical to think that uh, something like this could spread in such a rapid fashion to infect three billion people as this scenario portrays of course who knows right who knows? It's everything they do defies logic at times, but that's not the important part. It's about the effect that all this has on your mind. Uh, so, like I said, it's not so much about the pathogen itself; it's about the response, right? And it seems to me that they'll use something like this with these, uh, like massively inflated numbers, like three billion cases, two hundred seventy million fatalities. They will use something like that as justification to pull off this, uh, what they call no regrets approach, right? Whereas they will lock you down and force mask you, force vaccinate you, that kind of thing. And then they'll come back when there's not 3 billion cases and 270 million deaths. And they'll say, see the approach we took this no regrets approach, it works. So we need to use this every time there's one of these scenarios that goes on every time that we have some type of a uh, an inkling that there's a pandemic coming because you know we want to play it safe right we don't want to have any regrets we, we you know we want to be you know better safe than sorry and that's the excuse they'll use and if they have uh you know these international oversight committees in place to try to institute this and the world health organization uh and others were actually talking about uh uh, trying to draft some kind of international agreement that would give the World Health Organization um, precedence to uh, uh, 
have control over sovereign nations in the event of a pandemic situation and to handle the response to a pandemic situation. This is a concerning thing because we we see this, the echoes of this actually happening right now uh, in the world today. And now they're actually using this very vehicle that they laid down in this March 2021 scenario they put out, monkeypox, almost right down to the exact day, right? We started hearing about this a couple days ago. Uh, the date that they give for the first initial date of this in the scenario is May 15th, 2022. That was exactly one week ago today. So when did this monkeypox story start hitting the news cycle? Within the past week, right? It was almost right down to the day that they stayed in the scenario. That should be, you know, number one suspicion right there of something going on with this. Uh, so I'm hoping enough people have brought attention to this kind of thing now that maybe this will turn into a red herring. I really honestly, I, like I said, I can't emphasize this enough. I hope and pray it's a red herring and there's nothing to it. I don't want to have to deal with this crap. Right? I, I don't think any of us do at this point. We just want to live our lives. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Okay? I'll take my chances with illness. Like everybody else. I mean, it's a fact of life. Sometimes you get sick. Sometimes you get very sick, right? There's, there's no avoiding that. So leave us alone to live our lives. Stop trying to dictate to us that we need to lock down because and be frightened to actually leave our homes. That's what this is about. It's about inducing fear in the minds of people to keep them in this more animalistic type state, so to say, and to keep them voiceless about the whole situation. Keep them bound in fear and shut them up. That's what it's all about. And that's the uh, uh, Kirkopi's archetype being played here. Turn them into misshapen animals without a voice. That's what they want. They want us to be misshapen animals without a voice, subject to their will, right? Lock them down, shut them up, keep them distanced. That, that's essentially the uh, archetype they're playing here. Uh, so, you know, you could understand uh, a little bit more about the intention behind all of it. And like I said, I find it to be a little bit more than coincidence that uh, the date lines up almost exact with the scenario. Uh, so we need to keep an eye on this. And, and like I said, really hoping it's a red herring. I don't know. I don't have the answers. All I know is the rules of engagement have changed. So even though they're throwing this out here, and it seems really silly right now. Well, honestly, I was one of the people that uh, said in the beginning of the COVID thing, I don't think anything's going to come of it. I don't think there's anything to worry about. And then here we are two years later, and look at how they've destroyed the world with this. Right? So, hope I'm wrong, and I hope this is a red herring as well. Uh, so... <laughs> that that's the thing but we we have to be careful with this stuff and i think the best way to approach it is just exposing this the fact that hey they have a training scenario already for this and it almost names to the date the almost to the exact date when this thing hits uh so you know if we point this out to people and uh you know maybe people become suspicious and don't believe it, then maybe this thing will turn into a red herring and be a nothing burger, right? Which is the exact hope here. So that's why 
I think it's important that enough of us speak up early and loudly about this. I don't care if I look like a fool. If, if this thing doesn't come to fruition because of my loud mouth talking about it, that's fantastic. But uh, I'd be remiss to say I don't think this is anything and dismiss it out of hand and then have it turn around and come back at us later. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, who knows what the public will believe. A lot of them are so bought into things that they, they can't see their nose in front of their face. I've been telling people about the, uh, you know, event 201 scenario for years now since, you know, very early in the, the early phases of the pandemic. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, but uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. But the whole point is this. Let's, let's just take a step back and keep our eyes on this thing and see what develops, folks. But speak up about it. Tell people, hey, did you know that there's this training document out there? This, they did this tabletop exercise scenario for a monkeypox pandemic that emerged on May 15th, 2022. And they, they did this back over a year ago. And lo and behold, we see this now. That should get people to really become suspicious of something, shouldn't it? Like, like if somebody told you that, and you looked, and lo and behold, there it is. Wouldn't you be a little bit suspicious if you didn't, uh, like, like, say, even if you weren't conspiratorially minded or anything like that? That should raise a red flag for you. That should make the little hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Just to think that... Uh, you know, there's this document talking about this very thing. So are they prophets? Like, seriously, are, the, are they prophets? Could they predict the future? Or did they plan it? What's the Occam's razor thing tell you? Right? And, and you could use this for all your, I love the science, friends. What does Occam's razor tell you about something like that? What's the more easy thing to believe? Hmm? So anyway, I think that's the angle of approach we need to take with this thing. Sit back and watch, inform people, and uh, hope that nothing comes of it. If it's a red herring, fantastic. I really hope it is. If it's not, then, you know, we they can't say we didn't warn them. Uh, but anyway, that's all I got for tonight, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope that this monkey business wasn't too much of um, monkey shines for you folks out there. And pun absolutely intended here uh, with all of it, because I'll be a monkey's uncle. Uh, anyway, all right, folks, have a good night. Thanks for listening to me banter on and on about this nonsensical uh, you know, thing that's that's happening in our world now. It's getting more and more retarded as the days go by, isn't it? I mean, they're throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks at this point, aren't they? We have everything going on from uh, people losing their minds over abortion rights, Ukraine, um, you know, aliens. They're talking about UFOs in Congress for the first time in 50 years. Uh, we got this monkeypox thing going on now. It's just, it's insane. It's its absolutely insane. And then you have Johnny Depp on trial. It's like, come, come on, just come on. <laughs> everything. They're throwing everything and anything at the wall to see what sticks. They want people in this state of fear. Uh, and, you know, they, they want to be able to control them. But uh, that's about it, folks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to me banter on and on. Have a good night. Thanks again.
Introducing the new home for free speech, Free World FM, the alternative to the alternative. Keep on talking in the free world. That's freeworld.fm. Coming soon.